Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Let's Talk TEFL podcast. So I'm Jackie and joining me is Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Jackie. So long time no talk. Um, I've been doing some interviews with all the famous kind of YouTubers um, recently. And um, yeah, we haven't talked in a while. I think you've been like traveling and um, all been to all sorts of countries. And I'm not quite sure <laughs> where you even are right now. I'm I'm like nodding my head and shaking my head and doing all these things, which is really great for an audio format. <laughs> um, yes, I spent nearly six months like traveling like back and forth between my sister and my dad's house. It was supposed to be a four week visit while my visa was processed for me to move to the UK. Then mm -hmm. uh, the Ukraine situation, shall we call it? I think that's, I want to say that was how it was put when the the government first was like, we're giving ourselves carte blanche to take forever on your visa. Mm. So uh, it ended up being just under six months instead of four weeks. <laughs> but um, <laughs> my dad and stepmother and my sister and brother-in-law were absolutely amazing. They oh, perfect. did not blink an eye, whereas I was just like, I mean, I told my sister the other day, like, she was like, oh, I had so much fun. It was great. I mean, yeah, I mean, I could stay with you for six months. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know um, if you could stay with me. <laughs> <laughs> At least you had two places to go back and forth between. So if someone got tired of you or you got tired of them, then you had another option. At least. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. Quite mindful of trying to give everybody a break from having a house guest all the time. Yes, for sure. Even, for sure. Even if you love the house guest, even if you thoroughly enjoy their company, it's still somebody in your space you know. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. It's true. All right. So today's topic, it's quite a timely one. It is ESL Halloween activities. So um, in terms of Halloween activities or like really any holiday activities like Christmas or Valentine's Day, Easter, or whatever you're going to do in class, um, there's kind of um, there's the fun ones. So like, for example, Easter, like Easter egg decorating or um for Halloween, for example, like encouraging students to wear costumes and having a little like costume contest, something like that, I guess would be more like kind of the fun activities, um, not necessarily educational, though. So how do you kind of like balance that out, Jen? What do you think about that? Well, um, ever the strict teacher, uh, I would try to have a, a good balance. You know, um, I was definitely always one of the uh, less popular teachers with the kids because some other teachers would lean all in with, you know, oh, it's October. It is a month of candy and costumes. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I, I try to be mindful that, um, you know, I had limited time with the students and, you know, unless I was uh, in the elementary school setting, you know, when I was at the private schools, obviously those were paid by the hour by the parents. And um, even if I was like, you know, even if I didn't care that they were paying by, you know, by the hour, basically, 
kids are little tape recorders. They're they're gonna go home and tell their parents very excitedly, class was great again, because we just practiced trick-or-treating and ate candy for the third time this month. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And I I mean, I've taken Korean classes and various language classes over the years. And I always felt like it was a bit weird when I went to class and it was like there was no actual like language learning. Um, It was just like, let's play this fun game because it's like Chuseok, like the Korean Harvest Festival. And I just was like, oh, okay, like I could have played that game wherever, whenever some festival that I went to on the weekend or whatever. Like I came here to learn Korean or learn whatever language. So for adults, I'm always kind of aware of that. And I do like to have a bit of fun in class. But then, yeah, for sure, I like to have at the bare minimum, um, for example, like teach some new Halloween vocabulary and kind of talk about the holiday and actually like teach something in that lesson that students can kind of take away. So we're going to talk about six activities and we have kind of a mix of the fun and the educational. So we have a bit of both um, in them. So the first activity that I have is called the candy jar. So the candy jar, you can use this for any holiday you want. So basically just buy whatever some like, um, candy corn or just whatever kind of Halloween candy you can find, Halloween think Halloween themed candy. And then as you are, um, well, just put it into like a glass jar. And then as you're doing that, count how many pieces or how many candy corns you put into that jar, seal it up and then bring it into class. And then each student that I teach gets a guess about how many candies are in that jar. And then, um, yeah, whoever gets the closest. So on Halloween or whatever the day I would, um, tell everyone who the winner is. So it's just a way to have a bit of fun. It's not necessarily like educational, but, um, yeah, students like love it. And it's kind of this fascinating, um, thing. And yeah, I do it for lots and lots of holidays and, um, for adults, it's fun if they win, but for kids, I'm sorry to the parents. (laughs) Often who get this like big jar of candy, but um, whatever, it's it's a fun time. So yeah, try that out in your class. Yeah, that's that's a fun thing, and it is you know in no way related to language learning or whatever, other than the fact that they have to come up with a number in English. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's it's something that's always popular and always sort of increases interest. Mm-hmm. On the other I, hand, it only takes like, I don't know, 10 minutes per class to like make it yeah. happen. So it's not like it's taking up a large amount of time, but it is quite fun for sure. Exactly. And that's that's something I always like uh, to have the the controlled and guided fun, which is always super popular with kids because mm-hmm. <laughs> they just want to play or watch a, a video if there's going to be fun. But I like it to be educational. Uh, something that you can have the little fun activity and also have time for a lesson. Mm-hmm. So. For sure. All right. So Jen, you um, have the second one, tell or write a scary story. Yes. So um, this one obviously uh, depends on how you do it would depend on the level of the students, but like when I had uh, like higher level students that were returnees, like I would go all in with, you know, would have a flashlight to put under your chin when it was your turn. We'd turn out the light and put our chairs in a circle. And um, 
and the kids would be given some time to think of a story. And usually I would have them work on it like a previous class. So it wasn't like something they were just having to come up with on the fly. And uh, we would pass the flashlights around and they would tell their little scary stories, which would take a couple minutes per kid. And then we would vote on who had the scariest story. And generally speaking, the kids uh, were not like total butt faces, you know, like they would refrain from voting for themselves. You know, they would actually. <laughs> yes, I make a rule that you can't vote for yourself generally. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that was always fun. And because there would be that sort of, um, the I don't know, not graded, but, you know, the kids would be choosing their favorite. The uh, effort level would go up commensurately. And I like the idea about, like, giving them a bit of time before actually having to do this, like working on it in a previous class. I think that's the key to success in activities like this. Um, some people can come up with stuff on the spot, but there's a lot of people who can't in a second language <laughs> or yeah. a third language or whatever. So yeah, definitely the preparation time will make this activity way better um, than yeah. just the on the spot thing. Yeah. Even, you know, kids who went to school in the US or Canada, or whatever, like just telling somebody tell me a story right now, make it up as you go along. Like that's, that's a lot of pressure to put on something. I don't know if I could do it. It might be difficult <laughs> to come up if you just said, tell me a tell scary story right now. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I could maybe, but if I had like five minutes of preparation time, it would be way better for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, generally this would be like a two-parter thing where in one lesson we would, you know, talk about scary movies or talk about scary books they had read and um, then work on a little something to craft a story with a beginning, middle and an end, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but again, at, at that level, that's fairly high level students um, with lower level students, you can do, you know, scaffolded storytelling, which, at the most scaffolded level is Mad Libs. And then, you know, just sort of back it away. You can also do the activity where you take a single piece of paper and you fold it into a little booklet. And then it's the perfect amount of pages, if you fold it right, that you have uh, two facing pages for the beginning, two facing pages for the middle, two facing for the end, and then they have a front cover and a back cover. So they can take the time to write a very, very short story and have, like I would usually do, like one uh, page is the picture to go with the other page, which has one to two sentences. So they're only having to come up with, you know, maybe five to 10 sentences of the absolute outside. To tell a very, very short microfiction short story. Um, but they could talk about their pictures and, you know, work with a partner. There's lots of ways, you know, to scaffold uh, a storytelling or story writing activity, uh, depending on your student's level and their age. Exactly. Yeah, there's a million things you can do with it for sure. 
All right. So the next one that I have are songs and chants. So um, I myself am not musical and even like singing, if I had to sing happy birthday by myself (laughs) in front of a crowd of people, I would be so embarrassed. I actually cannot sing. Um, But that doesn't stop me from using songs and chants in my class because there's this magic thing called YouTube. And um, on YouTube, you can find just about any song or chant for any kind of theme, including Halloween or any of the major holidays. So if you want to teach your students some new Halloween vocabulary, um, just go on YouTube and then search like ESL Halloween chant or ESL song for kids, um, something like that, and you'll come up with like a million choices. So um, it's kind of a fun way just to teach some teach kids, especially some new words, and they love it. And I've often heard students even singing the song outside of class, like in the hallway or whatever. And then when that happens, I just feel like, oh, my job here is done. <laughs> I've done some good work if they're like singing um, this English song outside of class. So yeah, have some fun with that. And yeah, just enjoy it. Students really yeah. like it. Yeah, I also uh, am completely unable to sing at all to an, a degree where, yes, if somebody says, let's sing happy birthday, then I 100% just lip sync along. <laughs> <laughs> I won't start singing. I'll do the countdown and then I'll just like lip sync for a little bit until like someone else starts it. But then I'll join in. I'll join in yeah. if everyone else is doing it, but I don't want to do it by myself. <laughs> Too scary. Okay, so that's that's just a quick one you can do um, with kids. So your next one is would you rather? Yes, would you rather, but Halloween focus, so spooky mm-hmm. choices. Would you rather be turned into a vampire or be turned into a werewolf? Would you rather eat brains or drink blood, you know, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, anything that's just sort of uh, Halloween or scary movie focused kind of things you can kind of come up with. And those are basically little conversation starters that you can do in class with your kids. You know, would you rather is, in my humble opinion, a good, um, like, short, activity to get the kids or whatever age your students are speaking in English in a, a little bit more of a relaxed way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nice warm up activity. It's a nice time filler. Um, it's a nice kind of review thing. It can be used in like a million different ways. So it's one of those things that you don't really need any prep time or any materials. So just keep that in the back of your head if you have those like few extra minutes with of dead time, um, pull out would you rather, and you could even have students help you come up with spooky choices as well. Um, Yeah, they're usually great at it. So yeah, that's a good one for sure. So the next one that I have is charades or pictionaries. So charades is um, acting it out and then pictionary is drawing it. So if you're kind of have like a little like party, um, Halloween party, but you want to make it a little bit educational and kind of fun at the same time, Um, definitely teach the students some Halloween vocabulary. So you can do this through like there's some YouTube videos or a song or chant or even just um, have them do a little worksheet or something like that and then play charades or a Pictionary. And um, yeah, it's usually a fun time. Um, However, I wouldn't necessarily do this in the huge class of like 20 or 30 students. It's just not really student-centered enough because one person will be drawing or acting and then the 
on their team of, you know, if you have 30 students in the class, the team will be of like 15 people. And then one or two of those people will be yelling out answers. And then, you know, the other 12 or whatever, are just kind of hanging out, <laughs> not doing that much. So definitely this is for smaller classes rather than bigger classes. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of activities you can adapt to work in a small group or, you know, figure out different ways to do it. So more students are active at one time, but some activities really don't lend themselves to all class sizes or all class setups. Mm -hmm. So if you have like one whiteboard and 50 students, that's going to be difficult. Yeah, it's hard to play this in smaller groups. It's like the teacher really has to be kind of the captain giving yeah. students words and kind of enforcing rules and like keeping track of time and points and whatever. Um, in a lot of cases, I like to put students in small groups and kind of have them do things together. But charades and Pictionary don't really lend themselves well to that style. So, um, yeah. All right. The next one, Jen. So you said the same old kinds of things, but Halloween themed. So what are some examples of that? Yeah. So whatever you are teaching that lesson anyway, or that like Halloween week, you can just do with Halloween themed stuff. So for example, if you were teaching pronouns, you can have your, you know, pronoun task cards or worksheets or whatever be Halloween themed. So the sentences relate to different monsters or trick or treating or whatever. Um, so yeah, you can do that with task cards. That's obviously the easy task cards and uh, worksheets. If you are making your own, obviously you have to make them the first time around. But if you laminate them, you can reuse them year after year. Oh, love it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, especially if you have, if you make your own worksheets, it is really easy just to put the worksheet like text as text boxes in a PowerPoint file and add images that you can, you know, move around. And so then you can print the paper and it's got, you know, pumpkins and spiders and whatever on there that you haven't really had to do any extra work for at the very lowest level, but if you can alter it, so you're using the Halloween themed, you know, topics, as I said, like monsters or trick or treating or, you know, whatever, those kind of things, then that can raise their interest as well. And then it seems more like a game if you're doing Halloween themed task cards and less like you're just doing a regular lesson, but with pumpkins and spiders. That's uh, quite you can also Jen. do uh, bingo word puzzles or crosswords <clears throat> with the Halloween vocabulary. Mm -hmm. uh, you can do uh, cryptograms. I have uh, several fonts that some of them I bought, but some of them I'm pretty sure I got for free off of like Creative Fabrica or um, was it Hungry JPEG or Happy JPEG? I can't believe I don't know the name. I get all sorts of stuff off of there. Hmm. But you know what I'm talking about. It's a website that's got um, 
tons of uh, images and fonts that you can either buy or they always have lots of stuff they're giving away. But you can get fonts that are, you know, true type that you type out just the sentence and you the font will put it all as, you know, different kinds of monsters or, mm. um, you know, different things like that. And it, it just is a, a word game activity, like a cryptogram, but you haven't had to do anything extra mm. and it looks cool when you print it up. And I'll just mention here, discovery.com's Puzzle Maker. Just do a quick uh, Google search for that. And that is some ESL teaching gold. You can make whatever kind of puzzle you want, like the word search or the, and what is it called? Um, is it a, no. And what is that one where you give a clue and then. Um, crossword. Crossword, I guess. I, yeah, there's a special name they have for it in there, but I don't know what it is. But anyway, just have a look around and um yeah, you can make like puzzles for your students using whatever specific vocabulary you would like, including including Halloween. All right, so Jen, I have one last minute addition. Um, so if you just want to have a bit of fun in, with your uh, students, you can do a candy tasting. So um, for this one, just bring in some like um, kind of common candies that all students would know. And uh, ones that work super well are things like Skittles or M&Ms. Um, that are already just by themselves. Like you could just give, you know, the student like one little Skittle or one M&M or whatever, and then bring some blindfolds into the class and then students can do a candy tasting. So you can kind of level it up and put students into teams and give them points for guessing correctly what it is and that kind of thing. But whenever I've done this, um, students have loved it, like loved it. But this is one that's kind of low on the educational value. So kind of use with caution. And I don't really recommend doing this for the entire class. But if you are having a Halloween party um, at your school and you have to plan some activities, this is a great one to do. And then the other one is also the creepy feeling things. So things like peeled grapes or like cold cooked spaghetti and students have to reach their hand in and kind of feel around and see what it is like brains or eyeballs <laughs> like that kind of thing so look online there's a ton of ideas and this is a bit of effort but when I have done it students have loved it loved it like they couldn't get enough of it so um, if you just want to have some pure fun and excitement around the holidays then definitely try out those two activities but low on the educational value, however, so. Um, they don't have to be that low on, you know, you can use, um, like with the candy tasting, you can get them to work on a little bit of descriptive vocabulary, mm -hmm. you know, like something is creamy or something is sweet. I mean, obviously it's candy, they're all going to be sweet, but some of them might be like too sweet for their taste or. You know, if you had Reese's peanut butter cups and they're salty and sweet together. And mm -hmm. so it's not absolutely devoid of educational <laughs> content. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you can you can squeeze a little bit of content in there. And I will say with the um like the the peeled grapes, like if you freeze them and you know, so they're still quite cold during your class and the the spaghetti, like I always feel like you need to 
put a little something extra in there. So it's not just like dry spaghetti, dry cooked mm, Like spaghetti. a bit of oil or something. Or, yeah, yeah, a little bit of oil or maybe a little bit of, of syrup <laughs> or something just to give it like a weird texture. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. then obviously you have to be able to let the students go wash their hands. So that I guess can... the logistics are like, mm, yeah. not um, I wouldn't do it for little, little kids, but no, the older kids no, are fine. No, no. Um, <laughs> but because it's such a North American centric holiday, they will not have experienced that activity before. Like for all of us, like you go to a Halloween party when you're six and you have the grapes <laughs> and you have the, like the, you know, I, my husband too, uh, when he did it with his kids, he actually did a bunch of things like grapes and spaghetti and then the final thing he actually went to the butcher and got liver Ew! <laughs> wow <laughs> so that was a bit of a mean one but yeah. um but yeah they were little little kids when they did that and certainly you know I was about six or seven I think the first time I went to a party and they had one of those but um your students are very unlikely to have experienced it before outside of maybe a, another teacher's ESL class. Mm -hmm. So it's fun for a lot broader age group. Yes. Yeah. It's fun and it does take some work, but whenever I've done either of those things, the candy tasting or the creepy touch things, um, it's been just a really fun class and students have talked about it, honestly, the rest of the semester. <laughs> they just yeah. like couldn't. And then even on the student evaluations, like I was give them a little thing and like asking them what their favorite um, thing in class that they did. And like so many students will just say, oh my God, the candy tasting was so great. And they like tell all their friends and the other teachers at my schools have heard about it. And like, <laughs> they just can't get enough of it. So um, yeah, it is a really fun class to do and it, it's worth it. It's worth the, the little bit of extra effort and a few dollars it takes to get that set up for sure. Yeah. Or yeah. Just, um, I mean, by by the end of October, you should know your students well enough to know like which ones, like which group of students maybe you should not do certain activities with, mm -hmm. you know, like if if there's no way that they can get from the class to the nearest source of water to wash their hands without just dragging their hands along the wall <laughs> all the way there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I teach, I've taught mostly adults. So I just, yeah, I guess a lot of my recommendations involve adults. And I, a lot of your recommendations involve like logistics for little, little kids. <laughs> it's yes. like we come from different teaching contexts for sure and different <laughs> concerns. <laughs> 100%. right, Jen. So where can people find you online if they want to check out some of your stuff? Oh, uh, theoretically, I have a website. We'll just leave that as that. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Teachers Pay Teachers, Teach Travel Learn. You can find me on YouTube, Teach Travel Learn. Uh, I haven't put up a new video in uh, probably a year and a half, so I should probably get on that. Jackie, where can people find you? You are uh, sure. always yeah, up everywhere. To the so. If you want to find out more details about the podcast and see all the previous episodes and stuff, you can see eslactivity.org slash podcast. And then um, you can find the links to my YouTube channel, TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, all the things. Um, just kind of scroll down to the bottom and you'll see all the links there. And then um, I'll put also the link in the notes here. 
um, to the Halloween ESL activities that are on that website. So we've talked about, I don't know, like maybe seven or eight of them, but um, I think in that article, there's about 25 or 30 ideas for a Halloween lesson. And most of them are educational. So if you are planning that, definitely check that out. And then there's also a book on Amazon that you might find helpful. It's called 63 ESL Holiday Games and Activities. So there's ideas um, for Halloween lessons, Christmas, Easter, um, all that kind of stuff. So if you love to celebrate the holidays with your students, be sure to check that out. And um, yeah, stay tuned. Our next episode is going to be Thanksgiving activities. All right. So I think that's all for us. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll catch you.